Breaking Down Barriers That Keep People From Knowing Jesus Christ. That's the topic today on Evidence and Answers with Christian apologist, scholar, and speaker, Pat Zuckerin. Today, you're going to hear Pat Zuckerin live in Honolulu, Hawaii, as he speaks before a crowd about tearing down barriers that keep people from God. My name is Kevin Harris, and Pat, this was part of a series of messages you did in Honolulu, and I really liked the introduction that the pastor there gave you. Well, I spoke two days there at the International Baptist Church. I preached a message that you're listening to on breaking barriers of unbelief. And then I presented the basic defense of Christianity, the evidences that present a compelling case for the existence of God, the historical reliability of the Gospels, the uniqueness of Christ, the resurrection, and is Jesus the only way to eternal life? Pastor there is Pastor Stan Pons, who is introducing me here at this conference. I'm reminded of a verse that goes like this, that the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And I meditated a lot upon that passage throughout my ministry, and I realized that over and over again, it refers to grace or mercy and truth in that order. And so it really behooves us that when we want to engage the culture, that we engage it with a great deal of grace and mercy. But at the same time, there are a lot of people that are Christians that will engage the culture with love and grace and mercy, but not with a lot of truth. It's not that they don't believe truth, but they don't know how to put that truth together systematically from Scripture and appropriately engage the culture. On the other hand, there are some people that know a lot of truth. They've been taught a lot of good stuff from the Bible, but they've become so heady with that knowledge that they have forgotten to engage the culture with grace with their truth. And it's really a blessing for us here that we're learning that balance to do it like Jesus would do it. If you come here to church, you go up and down the poly and you can see nothing but various religions and cults and isms and spasms that are out there. And here on this island, sometimes different than the mainland, that people are very much entrenched in their false belief system. And for those of us who live here know that we're not here by accident, that God has sovereignly designed us to be here to have a ministry of engagement to our culture with grace and truth. And so today we're having a very special speaker that's going to help us learn how to do that with the barriers to this uh, ungodly belief system that's out there. But I especially appreciate our speaker because he's not someone who just knows this truth, but he lived in the same culture in which we live today. So he knows this culture, although they're unbelievers here as they are anywhere else in the world. And the truth will never change. Now, how to do that with grace and truth is what we're going to learn today. And we'd like to give a special aloha to Pat Zucharin. So, Pat, would you come? Our goal ultimately is to bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But often, before we can present the gospel, we've got to dismantle false ideas. We've got to declare truth in the arena God has called us to. And third, then we can deliver the gospel. So we're called to dismantle, declare, and deliver the gospel says here in verse 5, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The strongholds that we are to demolish, Paul specifically names here, and they are in the area of the mind and the will. See, because a, a person's eventual conduct follows his thoughts and his will. And Paul says that we are called to demolish arguments through training and through being equipped. The Christian seeks to dismantle false arguments that fortify 
a person's unbelief. We're called to demolish, to dismantle the deceptions that people believe. Paul says here, we demolish arguments and every pretension. That word pretense there, it means an outward show or appearance that is put forth in order to cover one's real intent. You see, man's ultimate goal is to justify his unbelief in Christ so that he can live as he pleases with no accountability to God. Therefore, he will often string up a bunch of false ideas that he'll throw at those who present the gospel so that he can justify and remain secure in his unbelief. And the goal of the Christian, Paul says, is to study the word, to be in prayer, to be engaging the culture for Christ, trusting that as we faithfully proclaim the gospel, the Holy Spirit will work through us to transform minds and hearts. And the goal, Paul says here, is to take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. In other words, the goal is to transform one's thinking from believing in false ideas to believing and living out the truth presented by the God of truth. To transform thinking and then one's life to live according to the truth of God's word. Our culture embraces and hides behind a lot of false ideas and often that barrier has got to be broken before a presentation of the gospel can be made. I was speaking in Illinois at a college outside of Chicago. I was giving the presentation on the existence of God. And at the end, during our Q&A time, several students asked some great questions. And the final question was asked by a young man. His name was Gordon. And he was hot. He was upset. You could tell he did not like the message that was being presented. And he stood up and he said, there's no such thing as God. The Gospels are a very inaccurate historical record. In fact, there's no such thing as truth. Everything is relative. There's no such thing as truth. Only opinions created by the powerful in that particular culture. That's all that there is. And we had a quick dialogue and I said, why don't you join me for coffee afterwards? Let's go to coffee lounge and we can dialogue on this. And he gladly accepted. So we sat down for some coffee and I said, Gordon, tell Explain to me what you mean by there's no such thing as truth. And he said, there's no such thing, no such thing as absolute truth. Everything is relative. Everything is only opinion. No such thing as truth. Truth does not exist. Hey, that's the popular idea of relativism. Truth is created by the culture or the individual. In fact, surveys show that the vast majority of youth buy into relativism. Some surveys show that 90% of Christian youth in good Bible-believing churches adhere to this idea of relativism. So now when I'm speaking at Christian conferences, at youth conferences all over the country and the world, I can no longer assume they believe that truth exists or that the Bible is indeed the Word of God. Often I got to come in assuming they're relativists. They don't believe this is the Word of God and we got to start from the beginning. In fact, surveys also show that nearly half, 50% of adults adhere, Christian adults, in good Bible-believing churches adhere to this idea of relativism, that absolute truth does not exist. So I sat down with Gordon and I said, all right, you believe that absolute truth, that truth does not exist? He said, yes. I said, is that a true statement? There's no such thing as truth. Is that true? And he thought about it for a second and he said, yes, it's true. And I said, there's one true statement right there. 
I said, to say there is no truth is a truth statement. I said, you've just contradicted you. It's self-contradictory because you're applying the very principle you reject. Truth exists. It's undeniable. You can't reject it. And then he started shaking and he pointed at me. I got an answer for you. I got an answer for you. And I said, oh, okay. And uh, he jumped over on the computer that was in the lounge and he got on the internet real quick and he printed it out and he came up to me and he said, all right, here you go. And I said, oh, well, you can read it. You know, and he said, relativism. Relativism is the idea that uh, all opinions are created by the culture, right? individuals. And he went on to read the definition. And I said, okay. I said, is relativism true for me? And he said, yes. I said, is that true for that girl over there? He said, yes. I said, is it true for everyone down that hall? And he said, yes. I said, it's true for everybody? He said, yes. And I said, that's an absolute truth. I said, two. Now we got two. We went from no absolute truth to now two. And then he said, you know, the reason I'm not a Christian is because Christians discriminate against everybody. You know, they're, they condescend to everybody and they discriminate. They don't like anybody. They're prejudiced against everybody that doesn't believe like they do. And I said, okay. I said, is it wrong to discriminate unjustly against people who don't believe like you do? He said, yes, it's wrong. I said, is it wrong for me to do that? He said, yes. I said, is it wrong for her to do that? He said, yes. I said, is it wrong for everyone to discriminate against those, uh, discriminate unjustly against those who don't believe like you? He said, yes, it's wrong. And I said, absolute truth number three. I said, well, it went from zero to now three. And then he got more mad and he was sitting there and he said, well, I, you know, I can't be a Christian because they make fun of homosexuals. Shouldn't make fun of homosexuals. That's wrong. And I said, I agree. I said, do you agree that it is wrong not to respect other people, despite what they believe? We should respect and love all people. Maybe not agree with their beliefs, but we should respect them all. He said, everyone should. I said, hey, absolute truth number four. And then we went from zero to four. You know, and so we uh, finished the dialogue and everything. And I said, Gordon, you got any more questions? You know, so let's sit down and uh, have some more coffee or lunch. You know, we got the whole week together, and so he agreed. Well, that night he came back to me, and his demeanor was completely different this time. It was completely different. He was friendly, we were talking, and he said, Well, Pat, I got one more question for you. And I said, Sure, Gordon, what is it? And he said, If God is so smart, God knows all, past, present, and the future. God knows all these things. Why did he create man, knowing man would sin and fall? And I smiled because I knew he just walked into a gospel presentation, you know, boom. Answer to that question is the gospel presentation. And I got to share the gospel with Gordon that night. And you see, often before we can share the gospel, we've got to do what Paul says. We've got to dismantle false ideas, declare truth. And often that leads right into a gospel presentation. So if we're going to engage our lost world for Christ, we've got to be diligent. And throughout the New Testament, that's one of the exhortations that Paul gives us, to be diligent, to study God's Word, and to defend the Christian worldview. That Christians must be able to proclaim the truth and defend the truth, not just the Bible, but to proclaim truth in every arena of culture, especially in the arena that God has called you to. For example, the sciences. I mean, those of you in the sciences here, can you defend the Christian worldview? Can you defend the case for intelligent si uh, design among the sciences? Hey, I just interviewed a guy. His radio uh, interview is going to be up on the website, uh, evidenceandanswers.org. 
Jay Richards, the leader of the intelligent design movement. You know, the scientific evidence continues to mount and grow and grow and grow in favor of what? Intelligent design. And those of you in the science field here who teach in the sciences, can you engage your world in the sciences and present a compelling case for the existence of God and intelligent design? Hey, the Discovery Institute does a great, great job. They're a great resource uh, for you. They're the leaders hey, in the intelligent design movement. Hey, but more than ever, we need Christians who can go into the sciences in that arena and defend the Christian worldview and present a case for an intelligent designer for the existence of God. What about in medicine? Those of you here in the medical field, can you defend the Christian worldview and the biblical position when it comes to medical technology? Okay. More than ever in this fast, quick, growing world of medical technology, do we have Christian doctors here who can lead the way and articulate what the responsible use of medical technology is okay. when it comes to stem cell research, cloning, genetic engineering? Is it anything goes? Who's ever got the money can do whatever they want? Or are there some biblical guidelines here that we, as responsible creatures created by God, okay, are called to follow? Do we have doctors here who can present the Christian worldview in the medical field? What about those of you um, in business? The okay, Bible's got a lot to say. There are a lot of biblical principles in there. Okay, can you take the principles in the Bible okay, and apply it? and articulate it in the business world. You know, we're going to do a radio show with a former CEO of Viasat called Can the Just Succeed in Business? Can, can you take the biblical principles here, defend them and apply them in the business arena? What about those of you in government, in military? Can you present the Christian worldview, the biblical principles on government, on issues like just war? and when to use military force? And we have Christians who can articulate God's truth in and engage the culture in the very arenas that God has called them to. Christians have got to be able to proclaim the truth of the Christian worldview in the arena God calls you to, and conversations in which Christians can articulate truth in these different arenas eventually lead to opportunities to share the gospel. And when you show Okay, that the Christian position is true and can be presented with intelligence and integrity. People then are open and willing to listen to the rest of the gospel message. And scripture exhorts us then to be equipped to study God's word diligently that we may be able to enter into the struggle in the arena God has called us to, to defend his truth and to articulate his truth in that arena and eventually proclaim the gospel. If there's one thing okay, that I want to convey today, it's that evangelism, I want to give a broader definition. Okay? It's more than just sharing a gospel track. It's more than just how to have a relationship with God. I hope that we understand evangelism is engaging the lost world for Jesus Christ. Okay? It is interacting with the ideas and the people of the culture. It's the ability to dismantle false ideas and to defend truth. And when you do, hey, when you do, I guarantee, well, I don't guarantee it, God's word guarantees it, that it often leads to opportunities to share the gospel. As unbelievers soon discover, Christianity makes a whole lot of sense. There's a lot of compelling evidence 
okay, to believe in the existence of God, in Jesus Christ, and in God's Word, that I don't need to jettison my brain okay, to accept this wonderful message that the God of the universe knows me and desperately wants a personal relationship with me. This is not a blind leap in the dark. This is a reasonable faith. And our job as Christians then is to diligently study and prepare to be equipped to use the resources God gives us to be able to engage our culture for Christ. That's one of the things I'm excited about as we have this conference. We want to equip men and women in not only what they believe, but why they believe that they can go and defend and articulate God's truth and eventually present the gospel in the arena that God has called them to. And the word stronghold here, a stronghold or a fortification, is used in a metaphorical way here. And Paul is using this to describe any strong argument that is used in which a person uses to withhold and keep his enemy at bay. And so Paul is saying here, with the divine resources that God has given us, we are to be trained and equipped and skillfully use them to undermine and overthrow the very foundations of the false ideas that keep people from a belief in Christ. Now the weapons that Paul is describing here that are scorned by the world but most feared by the powers which oppose God's people and God's truth are found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. Paul uses the armor of the Christian. And there are seven divine resources here that Paul describes here in the spiritual armor of the Christian. There are truth, righteous living, evangelism, faith, a trusting that God is working as I serve him faithfully in proclaiming the gospel, salvation, the word of God, and prayer. And it is with these resources Paul calls upon us okay, to enter and engage in this struggle. It doesn't take long for you to open okay, popular magazines and newspapers and discover that our culture has embraced a lot of false ideas that keep people resistant to our message of the gospel. And often you have got to break through some of these barriers before they will listen to a presentation of the gospel. We saw just a couple years ago, runaway bestseller sold close to I believe, 40 million copies all over the world. This book, The Da Vinci Code, I remember I was in China and I sat down at a coffee shop in China, in the middle of China and a guy sat down, a Chinese student sat down and said, you're from America? I said, yes. He said, have you heard of a book? I said, what book? He said, the Da Vinci Code, and he held up a Chinese translation of the Da Vinci Code. I mean, this book was all over the world. I was at the Hong Kong airport. The guy in front of me was from Germany. He had a German translation of the Da Vinci Code. And the guy behind me, um, I think he was from Japan, he had a Japanese translation of the Da Vinci Code. I mean, this thing was everywhere. And if you read the novel or saw the movie, you saw okay, the false ideas that it was asserting that Jesus Christ was not the divine Son of God. This was a legend that was created 300 years later at the Christian Council of Nicaea, uh, propagated and led by the pagan emperor Constantine, that the Gospels were not written by first century eyewitnesses, that they were written centuries later okay, and embellished by the church and exaggerated. Jesus was just a, a, a man who married, who had children, and this whole legend about him being the divine son of God and doing miracles were legends 
inserted by the church over the centuries um, as they edited and embellished the Gospels. And that many of these miracle accounts and the uh, foundational ideas of Christianity all come from Greek mythology. Those were the false ideas being embraced and propagated by the popular media and the culture. And wherever I was going throughout the United States and the world, those are the challenges from this novel that I had to answer. Oh, and we saw last year, this one, the Gospel of Judas was, quote, discovered. And here, the popular media was touting this as the lost gospel. This gospel precedes our four gospels and tells us like the Da Vinci Code, the real story of Jesus, that he was a Gnostic philosopher. He was a Gnostic guru who wanted to be killed. And so Judas is the hero. Judas and Christ conspire that he would be killed because in Gnosticism, the material world is evil. And Jesus wanted to get out of his body so that he could traverse the universe and go on his way to become one with the divine, with the one. And so him and Judas get in this plot so that he can escape this body and become one with the divine. And then we saw earlier this year, Simon Jacobovicki in their discovery special, The Lost Tomb of Jesus, Jacobovicki claiming that they have found the family tomb of Jesus. Now, I don't have time to refute all of these. Uh, you can go to probe.org or evidenceandanswers.org and read the articles I've written on them, but these ideas were shown to be completely false. However, okay, our culture embraced these ideas, and we're often using these ideas against Christians to send them into retreat and to silence the proclamation of the gospel and to silence the church. And so throughout the world, I was going addressing these issues. And one of the things that Christians fail to realize is that challenges like these are a tremendous opportunity to share the gospel. Because there are curious people all over wondering, can Christianity, can the Bible stand up to these challenges? And they're waiting to hear an answer, and they're interested. And so throughout the world, I had a great opportunity eh, to demolish these false arguments, as Paul states. And as we demolish false arguments like this, most of the time it leads into a presentation of the gospel. And so we are called to engage our culture, not to run from challenges like this, eh, but to engage our culture, engage these challenges, and dismantle false ideas to present truth, and as we do so, this often leads to an opportunity to present the gospel. And you have a curious audience who's listening, wanting to see if there are answers, and when they discover them, they're ready to hear the gospel. We can only demolish strongholds of false beliefs if we are using the right resources that God provides. The six that we mentioned, truth, righteous living, evangelism, faith, salvation, the word of God, and prayer. Too many, too many we are finding in the body of Christ are untrained and unprepared to present truth in a compelling manner. Therefore, many of us fail to engage the culture for Christ effectively. Too many Christians do not know how to present truth 
in the arena in which God has called each one of you to. More than ever, more than ever in our time, we need churches made up of Christians who are equipped and trained to engage the world and the arena God has called them to, to present truth in that arena okay, in a powerful and compelling way. We want to thank you so much for listening to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerin on this timely topic and remind you that you can get this entire series at our website, evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find some of the best resources on presenting and defending your faith in Christ to an increasingly skeptical world at evidenceandanswers.org. World religions, atheism, the cults, the occult, apologetics, scientific and philosophical arguments for the existence of God, creation and evolution, the reliability of the Bible, archaeology and history, and the end times, to name but just a few. There's a new feature on our website called iShows, where you can download each individual show for just $2.50 on our website, evidenceandanswers.org. Just like you download a song on iTunes, these are iShows that you can download each individual show you want, and we've got some of the top scholars on there. Evidence and Answers is supported by you, the listener, who appreciates a program that gives good answers to good questions. Our calling is to do what the Apostle Paul did on Mars Hill in Athens. He presented and defended the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we'll help you do the same by the grace of God. Just go to evidenceandanswers.org and any gift or purchase of resources will be a tremendous encouragement to us. And remember that this entire series is available at evidenceandanswers.org. This has been Kevin Harris. Thank you so much for listening to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerin. God bless and thanks so much for listening.